Good evening and welcome to Scottonomics episode 32 and we've got a special show for you tonight it's the fourth in our series of the small nation series we've previously looked at Catalonia at Iceland at Ireland and now we're very pleased to be able to look at Wales now the first thing I'd like to do as always is welcome my co-host Karen Van Sweden hello <laughs> perfect timing Karen <laughs> So, um, yeah, I've actually just been watching your interview last week. I watched it this afternoon, William, um, and you were talking about, um, with John, you were talking about Sri Lanka, and I just read on um, Adam Tooze's chart book that the Raja Paksa family um, headed up a third of Sri Lanka's 28 ministries, including Mahinda as the prime minister, which I, I guess is probably not really a good way to run your country. Maybe. No, and, and it was what we were talking about, this idea of blaming the currency when there's clearly institutional problems that are deep-rooted in a company like that. Institute, uh, inflation and then currency often gets the blame when the fault lies elsewhere. Uh, well, we've got a fascinating show tonight. Um, welcome everyone who's watching and who's joining us on Facebook, uh, YouTube and Twitter. We're really pleased to have you join us tonight. I've been trying to do this session for about oh, four months, just before Christmas, really. So I'm really pleased to be able to welcome um, two Welsh fellas onto our show um, to talk about the Welsh economy. So first we have uh, Brian Jones. Hi, Brian. Hi there, good to meet you, good to see you. Likewise, nice to see you. Um, and um, uh, Brian is a lecturer in strategic management and public administration and Dr Edward, uh, uh, Dr. Edward Jones. Hello Edward, how are you? Good evening. And uh, Edward Jones is a lecturer in economics and they're both at Bangor Business School at Bangor University. So welcome to you both. We've got loads of questions. We, Karen and I are so keen to learn more about the Welsh economy, but I really want to hear from the audience tonight because I'm sure you've got a lot of questions. There's so much to look at in terms of how different it is from the rest of the UK, the similarities with Scotland, the difference with Scotland, and if you believe that a country can survive and can thrive as an independent nation. So the first thing I'd like to do, um, I suppose I've got a, a bit of a general question you know, to really help help us have a clearer understanding. Um, but let's start with a brief overview of the Welsh economy to get things going. And I think, Edward, you're going to have a stab at this for us, aren't you? Yes. And although you've asked for a brief, I am going to start in the 18th century talking about the Welsh economy, because this is when we start seeing the Welsh economy really uh, becoming a global player. So copper lining was important for shipbuilding at that time. And a lot of that came from South Wales and we saw during that time Swansea had a port that was um, one of the most important ports in the world during that time. As we went to the 19th and 20th century this was a golden year uh, period for uh, Welsh industry. That demand for coal, uh, those steam engines, the steamships, most of that came from uh, South Wales. Uh, you know there's a real um, buzz about the economy then. The first one million cheque was signed in Cardiff, which again had become this uh, global important uh, port. Now, unfortunately, while uh, uh, countries moved away from uh, coals, we saw the introduction of cars. Uh, this did have uh, a negative impact on the Welsh economy. We did manage to keep some heavy industries, uh, steel working, 
Um, but we did really feel uh, the brunt of that. We had the uh, WDA established in the 1970s that tried to encourage uh, foreign investments into Wales that did have some success. But then as uh, Eastern Europe started to open up, um, a lot of those companies and that investment went to Eastern Europe there. Since then, the performance of the Welsh economy, it has been lagging behind um, the UK average and other kind of comparable regions. We have issues with low levels of GDP, high levels of worklessness, uh, that has an impact on health, of course. There are some good things going about the Welsh economy. We do have um, low level of unemployment, even though then the people are in jobs, they're not high paying jobs. And we have low levels of inequalities as well. So it's quite an even society. And 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 what would what would what underpins the the Welsh economy at the moment? And if you're looking ahead towards independence, where, where do you see that kind of economic stability or, or economic growth coming from? Well, one thing we've managed to do in Wales is keep on to our manufacturing base. So if we think about what's happening all across the world, um, well, during the pandemic and also now with the uh, current conflict in Ukraine, you know, we're going to see these supply chains coming back home. You know, people don't want to be having these supply chains, long, complex supply chains. They want to bring those back home. So Wales is, is in a good position to take advantage of that? You know, still having that manufacturing culture, that manufacturing skills here, that means a lot of those supply chains can come back to Wales. What's interesting with Wales is um, that a lot of the policies that we're developing in the countries as well, they're, they're economic policies, but we're doing a lot on sustainability, making an equal society. And so it's interesting with the economy in that we're trying to drive the economy forward, but also to make it a fair economy as well. So looking forward, it's, it, it is an exciting time uh, for the Welsh economy. So, so more of a well-being focus than you would you would see, and and the rest of the, uh, the rest of the United Kingdom, and of course, growth isn't necessarily the thing that we should be chasing once we're independent companies or as independent countries. It is this idea of a fairer and more just society that certainly is, you know, at least um, at least on par with people who are chasing um, economic growth. Yeah, and you know, the flagship policy for Wales is that Future Generations Act, where um, local governments and the government has to take into account the impact it would have on future generations in Wales and outside of Wales as well. So it's exciting to see we're trying to develop this economy, but we're going to be doing it in a fair way. So it comes back to what you're saying. It might not reach those high levels of GDP growth that we see in other countries, but it would be a fair economic growth as well. Quickly, we'll quickly just do that GDP, Karen, and then you can you can come in there. Um, but yeah, there's, so there's a comment about about GDP. Um, isn't it time we moved away from that metric? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, GDP is um, it's a strange statistic that doesn't always represent what people think. In that, um, yeah, you can have people a high GDP but nothing extra happens in the economy or some small group of people would benefit from that high GDP. What we need to be doing in Wales is working towards that everybody benefits um, from any economic growth that we have. 
So we have to move away from this uh, GDP statistic. Actually, we need to be moving away from this idea of looking at one statistic. We need to be looking at a broad range of statistics when measuring that economic success. Absolutely. Yeah. Can, I, uh, can I just give a plug to one of our programmes? We had a, a couple of wonderful um, economics teachers on. Um, I think it was episode four. Um, and they do their own little podcast called Economics in 10. And we specifically asked them about economic measurements and they were kind enough to go through them with us and some of the things that they're teaching. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think we, we all came to the conclusion that clearly if you're a politician, you want to be looking at a basket of measures. That seems to me the most logical thing. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, Edward, as well is, you know, so you're, you're very positive about the creation of inequality um, and some really positive things going on in Wales. I'd like to know who's actioning that. Is that because you have such a good collaboration between Plaid and Labour? To be honest, I think a lot of this comes from the fact that we're a small nation. So everybody within the country is accessible to everybody else. We haven't got this higher tier of politician or policymakers that we can't reach. Mm. You know, that accessibility is a key important part in that um, for me. I don't, Brian, I don't know if you want to jump in there as well. I, th I think I absolutely agree with that, with everything you said. I want to make one quick point um, about Wales and, and, and manufacturing. Every time you get on an Airbus aircraft anywhere in the world, you're flying on Welsh wings. And that is top of the food chain engineering located in Wales. Yeah. But I wanted really to say something about the, you were talking about GDP just now, and you were talking about Wales and how Wales fits together. One of the landmark, really is a landmark piece of legislation is the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act, which, which Ed referred to earlier. That does have a metric on prosperity, if you like, but there are several metrics here. It wants a resilient Wales, a Wales that can work together. And that resilience comes from working together. People know people in Wales. It's a, it, in many ways, it's, it's, it's a small country and that brings some very real benefits there are issues to be addressed. They want a healthier Wales, a more equal Wales, which, which has been spoken to already by Ed. We want to bring our communities together. Now, these are guiding principles, you know, a vibrant culture, globally responsible. That's what we're striving for. And these are informing principles for all legislation passed by the Welsh government. It's the lens through which everything is looked at. And that is quite remarkable. But it's also hugely ambitious. Mm -hmm. And the idea that we can get to that, we're building a mindset. And following on from that, perhaps I should also mention that there is a, a Future Wales, which is a document that's only just come out very recently. They've been working on it for a while. And that is a national plan for Wales that runs from now until 2040, for heaven's sake. Given that we're used to a Westminster government that thinks, you know, about the day after tomorrow, to have a Welsh government that's thinking on those sorts of timescales is really quite remarkable. Wales definitely isn't England with a funny accent. Wow, well, that's, that's well, so, we positive. That. <laughs> <laughs> so positive. Um, we, we, we've got a, we've got a comment here, um, and I think a question just at the end there. Um, Ed, do you want to have a have a do you want to answer that one? Yeah, in terms of small and similar sized nations, I think Wales is starting to look at what other countries are doing. 
the important thing for Wales is, and of course everybody uh, looks to Ireland and the success that they've had, the important thing for Wales is, yes, look at what other countries are doing, but we have to do the Welsh thing. We have to be doing our own thing, given our economic situation. We can't just be going out to look at other countries, taking their economic model and applying it to Wales. We have to be thinking, yes, learn from them and then apply the bits we think that will help us and try and do the Welsh type of thing. Yeah, I think that's really important. And that's what we see about Scotland as well. It, it has to do it has to do that mirrors the country and not just something that's slightly different from what you inherit from the, the Westminster government. Brian, did you have something there you want to add? I was going to, I was going to say Ireland's particularly interesting because there are very close links between Ireland and Wales. We've got ferries running across all the time. And Ed, I think you spent quite a bit of time working in Ireland. So Ed has much more knowledge of the Irish economy than I do. But it's worth noting that there is a an, an Ireland-Wales shared statement and action plan. So for Wales to be able to work more closely with Ireland on areas where, of course, Wales can do what it wants to do, Bear in mind, we are devolved. We aren't independent. But within the devolution settlement, there are things we can do. And quite quietly, we have made those links with Wales, with Ireland. And there is a shared statement of objectives around all of that. We can learn from Ireland, but Ireland wants to work with us too. Is there any kind of shared agreement between Scotland and Wales? Not that I know of. Ed, have you seen anything? No. Well, if there isn't, there should be, William. Yes, yes. Well, we all agree. We all agree. Great. And please, well, there's, there's always been there's been talk about the Celtic fringe, and certainly there's absolutely no reason why Wales shouldn't strengthen its links with Scotland. Great. And and please do any more questions. I'll I'll make sure we answer them. I've got one question while I've got you. Um, um, while I've got you there, Brian, and it's really about the um, institutional readiness of Wales. And I know this is something that you've been looking at. So, uh, you know, what can, let's say, the Welsh Civic Society do right now to enhance the preparedness for Wales when it becomes independent? And what can the government do to make independent easier, independence easier? Well, the Welsh government needs to just work within the devolution settlement and push the envelope as far as it can. Um, Wales doesn't have... Uh, let's be, actually, let's, let's, let's start with where we are. The devolution settlements are statute law. They're statute law in England. They're statute law for Scotland. They can be changed by the Westminster government pretty well whenever it likes. If it has a majority, they can do it. There's no constitutional guarantee that underpins the devolution settlement so far. Wales has evolved in the 20 years of devolution. It's evolved considerably. And there is now, it was a Welsh Assembly, a Welsh Assembly government. We talk about that now, a Welsh government with a first minister, was a first secretary when we first started. So we have a legislature and we have an executive built on the Westminster model where the executive is drawn from the largest party or largest parties in the, in the, in the Welsh Assembly. But we don't have separate legal jurisdiction. We do not have our central bank. We don't have our own home office and foreign office. So we've got our, to use um, the, the formulation of a legislature, executive and judiciary. We actually have a legislature. We have a, func a well-functioning legislature and executive. Now they have 20 years of experience and they have matured considerably. Really good now. Hence 
things like the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act, really imaginative legislation. But it's worth remembering that we are one legal jurisdiction with England. Yeah, we do yes. not have a separate legal jurisdiction. So the judiciary is still effectively managed from the Home Office. Yeah. So I what can civic society do to improve that situation? I mean, there must be things that we could be doing to kind of, you know, to, to prepare. And, you know, we can give you some examples of, of what's happening in Scotland. But surely we can't, you know, you can't be just expecting the Welsh civil society to just wait until there's independence before we start looking at these, these institutions. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Um, but some of the things that we are, and I'm maybe in Scotland, you've got more imaginative ways than we have. And certainly, I think politically, Scotland was ahead of us from the very beginning, from when Scotland was devolved as well. Scotland already had had a constitutional convention to think about how it was going to do those things. Wales really didn't get its act together that quickly. So in terms of how civic society is planning for that, we're still, I think, at an embryo stage. We're really not as developed as that. And I have to say, below the level of Welsh government, governance in Wales is quite a mess. We've got 22 local authorities that are smaller than the old French département. Absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't work well. We've spent years trying to link those things up to get them to work better. And it needs really a, a root and branch overhaul below the level of the Welsh government. I personally would like to see uh, us go back to something very similar to what we had before the 22 local authorities, which were seven much larger authorities. You could get all the chief executives in one room and exactly the conversation we're having now, they would be having together. And that's how you build that strength. But divide and rule by a Tory government under, I think it was major, uh, got us 22 local authorities all squabbling, frankly, yeah, and not be able to think strategically and collectively. You see, that's really interesting. I mean, I would say the opposite is what, what we would like to see in Scotland. We have local authorities that are covering huge areas and the people that are working in them are expected to travel hundreds of miles. Um, they're not functioning. They're too big. So, uh, you know, I would, I mean, personally, I, I want to see more subsidiarity, not just Scottish independence, but further down, we used to have town councils in the 1970s, mm -hmm. but Thatcher got rid of that. Um, so, you know, my concern is, I mean, for example, in, in Dice, where I live in North Aberdeen, we have, you know, four and a half thousand people to a councillor. And in, in Leith in Edinburgh, where I lived, it would be eight and a half thousand. And in Norway, you've got 700 people to a councillor. You know, I think mm -hmm. people having a someone to stand up for them and be an advocate for them that's an important thing for your democracy to be stronger as well you know i i, I question that i have to say because it, surely it can't be that hard to get 22 group leaders to work together why is that a problem <laughs> yes it is <laughs> right yes it is are, are they mostly what, men what, 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 what we had before was what we, what we before was better what we had before was seven large counties and we had local authorities below that, at district council level. So what you're talking about in terms of the stuff right close to the people, that could be dealt with. But the unitary authorities we've got now means how do you link up tr transport policy? How do you link up buses? How do you link up all these things? And they've been trying, 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 trying. 
because there aren't the economies of scale to think about things at that level. Now, I would be absolutely against having just massive top tier and nothing there. But only three and a half million people, for heaven's sake. <laughs> you, you'd think, wouldn't you, that we would tw- 22 local authorities? <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, to, to bring those two very um, um, diametric views there, I think what we can definitely agree on is that, that when we have independence, it's not any kind of panacea. Independence is the opportunity to start to fix stuff. And it may be Absolutely. smaller it may be smaller councils or bigger councils. But let's get to independence and, and allow us to, to make those decisions. Um, I've got a really good question from um, Charles. I don't know which one of you want to have a stab at that. Let me know. I think the answer to that is not very strongly. What do you think, Ed? Yeah, I think um, there needs to be greater discussion in Wales about independence. The and just that honest discussion about the, the situation we're in, what we could do in the future, and where we want to go. That's the type of discussion I'm not really seeing in the mainstream media at the moment. The other problem we have in um, in Wales, we, in, there's a lot of the UK news that dominates Welsh main, mainstream media as well. We need to get more uh, accustomed to just having Welsh-only news, of course, understanding what's going on outside, but those internal discussions um, are just not happening. No. I take it well, I take it media isn't devolved. Control of the media isn't devolved in Wales. No. Um, you know, if you think about the uh, the newspapers that you have in, in Scotland, you know you have some quite a few newspapers there. We we only have two, maybe one and a half major newspapers here in Wales, which um, really doesn't help to the uh, discussion about independence. Yeah. I think yeah. living, living in Catalonia, one of the one of the reasons that the independence movement here is so strong is because the um, Catalonia um, re- regulates uh, um, the media. So the media here is much more balanced and is reflective of society. And when we're in Scotland, we're not wanting a you know an independence-led media. We just want a media that's reflective of society. And I was pretty sure you know when we were speaking about Wales there that you were going to be similar because the, the media that you see comes from a, a foreign country, which is London-based um, or or north of England-based to probably a lesser extent. So I, I do think it's a, it's an absolute huge issue. Brian, do you want to finish on that one? Well, I was going to say something about Wales does have some independence of media. There's the Western Mail, of course, based in Cardiff, which is a, a major newspaper down in Cardiff area. If, to pick up your point about elsewhere, in North Wales, it would be the Liverpool Daily Post, mm. which has a Welsh edition. But we do, of course, like you have Albury in Scotland, we have S4C. So we've got a Welsh, language, Welsh medium channel and you do have um, ITV Wales, and you do have BBC Wales, which do have slightly different programming. But there's a difference between that and um, a great degree of discussion going on, talking about what would an independent, what even what a devolved Wales should look like, let alone what an independent Wales should look like. This doesn't seem to hit the papers at all. And so there's a great degree of lack of understanding of the institutional questions which you've just been asking. Uh, I, having, 
having taught public administration for years, I have students coming from Germany or from Italy, Erasmus students, who know more about how Britain's constitutional arrangements work than our own students do. Mm. And you could say the same for our Welsh students as well. This stuff is not taught in schools. And so they, 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 they come to this debate without the tools to actually grapple with it. That's really interesting. Kieran, you've got a couple of questions, I think, on institutions. Yeah, no, I wanted to go back to media first, though. Um, you know, I mean, I would say that, you know, uh, I mean, I was at a YES meeting several years ago when the idea of having independent radio came up and then independent radio came up because some people were prepared to put the work in and that's, that happens now in independence lives, obviously. You know, this is part of what we're doing just now. And I mean, for example, this programme that we're doing on economics, you can't find something like this on mainstream media, you know, that, you know, there's a paucity of really uh, intellectually stimulating programming, I would say. And, you know, I think the Scots people and the Welsh people are ready to listen to people who sound like them, talk about uh, complex ideas, because that that's really important. I mean, I listen regularly to Radio Scotland every morning. In fact, I like to listen to it because you get a range of voices. And I'm very much in a progressive, independence, liberal bubble. And I need to be out of that and uh, listen to people that maybe don't have the same views as me and where they come from. But regularly in Radio Scotland, I hear the same thing over and over again, which is a Scottish interviewer uh, interviewing an English expert. This is pretty much every day this happens. So, you know, you can imagine over the course of years, if you're listening to this, then the narrative is that we don't have experts in Scotland. And in fact, we have some of the oldest universities in the world, you know, and some very clever people here, but you won't hear them on the media. Um, you won't hear them on the mainstream media. So we've had to make our own media. We just have to. Yeah, and um, we've got a couple of comments here, which I'd like to I'd like to bring on screen. Um, so um, I think it's um, got a... An answer to your question, but yeah, it is. It, you know, that's it, it, nice of you to say that. Thanks very much. But but it is. It's so important, you know, that we have these discussions and we, we raise these issues, not just in Wales, but also I think in between Wales and Scotland as these kind of two um, uh, nations on the on the on the outside of this huge nation um, in the middle. Um, I'll see if there's another comment here. I don't know. You guys can. Uh, See if you agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Sean Jobbins' comment, William, and um, he is he's absolutely absolutely right in what he says there. Um, that Labour is London centric. Um, I don't think it wants to be necessarily, but uh, shall we say the Labour Party is London centric, and Labour in Wales is dragged along with that. Um, it was um, it was Rodri Morgan uh, during uh, Blair's tenure as prime minister talked about creating clear red water <laughs> between the uh, Labour Party in England and the Labour Party in Wales. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to I definitely want to get into that. Definitely. Please don't let me forget that. And because I think that perspective from Welsh Labour and Scottish Labour is really interesting. Kieran, I think you had a question about central banks. Do you want to drop that yeah, one in? Uh, and uh, can, I, can I just put a little insert there as well and say that um, Scottish Labour have tried to do that by having a thistle instead of a rose. Is there? <laughs> I don't think that's quite working. Anyway, so um, the, I want to imagine independence in Wales. So 
what about your central bank? Have you got any plans? How are you going to set it up? Have you thought about that? And uh, yeah, that's that's my first question on getting yourself ready. And to let you know, we do have Mark Cooper who's joined us, who's looking at a central um, a central bank. So I'll, I'll happily, Mark, if you have any comments, I'll bring them on screen. I suppose this the question of central bank. It's um, it's an interesting one for an independent Wales. You know, you you kind of have three options. Um, well, two options. One, do you continue to have the Bank of England? as the central bank in that it would be possible to continue to use sterling or do you go about use, uh, establishing uh, your own central bank? My preference would be to establish our own central bank because that becomes a very important tool in your economic um, planning then, you know, to have a central bank outside of your um, economy uh, I think that would be trying to develop the economy with one hand tied behind your back. I think what's what's going to be absolutely critical um, for Wales, we'll call it government finance, an independent Wales government finance, is that it's not viewed as a business balance sheet with assets and liabilities and you know trying to balance that book. That idea has to go away. With independent Wales, you have to stop thinking about government finances like you would a business um, balance right. sheet. So that's that's absolutely critical that, that we do that. Yeah, we would completely agree with that. <laughs> and Karen, I do, I do know that there is some conversations um, with um, the um, Scottish Currency Group and um, Mark and some of his colleagues about uh, as a Welsh central bank. So I think that's a really good example of, of both of the kind of civic societies working to, working together. Um, Mark, anything else you want to... Oh, I've got another one here um, from, from Mark. Just to add to Mark's comment there is that it's important that the work starts now. You can't be in a situation where you get independence and no real plan on how to establish the central bank or what what you're going to be doing you know we can't be waiting until that point we need to be start thinking about these things now yeah yeah and that's certainly Kim would you agree that's certainly it's been something that's been planned for a for a couple of years and I agree I think it's absolutely crucial that it's one of the first institutions that's ready to go um, yeah, I mean I, I, I'm gonna go to Mark's comment there the concept of MMT I really want to correct that it's not a concept it's a lens um, you know, you're you're looking through the lens of modern monetary theory, which is, you know, mainly <laughs> I would describe it as we don't have the gold standard anymore. You know, so, you know, money's not backed by gold and, uh, you know, governments are not in debt in their own currencies. That's a nonsense. When they spend out, that's the money supply and then they tax back and they have the power to do that. And that's all they're saying. And if you increase the money supply in certain areas, you might end up with inflation. But, you know, full employment is possible in an independent country. And that's that's what the MMT economists are saying. That's the, the policy that goes with that, because um, full employment can act, a job guarantee can act as a price stabiliser. 
Yeah, and I think that's the kind of perception now when we talk about um, MMT, that it means the policies. Um, and Mark said, yeah, he's, he accepts that as, as the lens. Um, I want to take it back to um, our Labour parties, Scottish Labour and Welsh Labour. Um, fr from my perception, it looks like Welsh Labour is slightly more progressive than the Labour Party in England and also in Scotland. Is that fair? Um, who wants to who wants to look at that one? Well, it is the worst Labour Party with uh, Nair and Bevan that gave you the National Health Service. So um, oh. radical thinking in Wales is nothing new. Um, Although we did have the National Health Service in the Highlands before that as well. Not a well-known fact, actually, but it's well, true. I'm, thanks, <laughs> um, I think what I'm trying to say is there's a radical tradition in Wales and the Welsh, Welsh Labour has some of that in its DNA. Um, certainly, uh, Rodri Morgan was very keen, as I said earlier, on the um, clear red water between Westminster and Cardiff. In other words, we, we, we're in limits. We're going to go our own way. We're still going to be Labour, but we're going to be Welsh Labour. And Welsh Labour is, again, not for Welsh Labour read England. And that's been very successful. Um, and we've been very fortunate, I think. We've seen um, during the, pan the pandemic really has changed a great deal because it's given Mark Drakeford a great deal more profile. It's given Welsh Government a great deal more profile, and Welsh Government is being led by Labour. So there is a kind of different feeling about it. The issue that, of course, has been raised is that is Welsh Labour unitarist? And I think there's a question really about would it be possible for Welsh Labour to back Welsh independence? That yeah. seems to me to be a critical question. But well, that was my next question. So we can't leave that as a rhetorical one. What's your What's your thoughts, Brian? Could Welsh Labour ever support Welsh independence? Funnily enough, I think it possibly could. Um, under the pressures of seeing basically Tory England bossing not Tory Wales, around and continuing to do so and using the levers that it's acquired through Brexit to do so. The repatriation of powers, the idea of creating um, the UK single market with a set of regulations that are designed in Westminster and not discussed at any level with either Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland or Wales. You'll just be imposed on us. Um, the you know, levelling up, please don't even start on that. And whatever happened to the money that we got from the EU that, of course, they were going to replace, and of course, they're not. I mean, it's, it, we're looking at a situation where Wales may find itself in a situation where either it goes alone or it keeps finding itself always trying to get out from under. And I'm fairly confident that there are many independence fellow travellers in the Labour Party. I'm sure of that. Yeah. Um, Ed, what's your thoughts? Same question. So, to be honest, I, I'd agree with Brian on this. Um, we have seen a shift with the Labour Party here in Wales, and um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in a, a few years, maybe, they would be supporting an independent Wales. 
Yeah, I should say that Professor John Curtis, who's a regular commentator here in Scotland, he uh, he, he has the statistic that it's around about um, almost 40% of Scottish Labour people support independence. So uh, I would be surprised that it wouldn't be the same in Wales. I want to ask you something else, though. Um, you've touched on the EU there in, in your last answer. And, you know, you're obviously very close geographically to um, Ireland. Um, you know, Southern Ireland, the Republic is, is in the EU. Do you think that uh, if you became independent, the Welsh public would want to go back into the EU? Um, I, it's, it's a difficult one to call in that, you know, Brexit's been a difficult period uh, for the whole of the UK. And to say, yeah, if we had independence say, in two years, would we we'd be going straight back into the EU? I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be slowly building up to go back in. One thing is certain, though, is that Wales would be looking to develop a close relationship with the European Union. Trade with the European Union is so important. So we would be looking to, um, to build on that. And what I could envisage is just slowly integrating back into that e European Union family. Um, it would be a slow process, but I can imagine Wales would be going in that direction. Yeah, I, I, would, I would absolutely agree. Um, lots of, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a break because we've got lots of comments from the audience. So I'll, I'll bring that in and, and please do. Um, and then we'll go back to a few more questions. Um, so um, how, how did you pronounce that? Was it was it Sion? Sion? Sean. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Sean, have a look at my. I'll I'll drop in a link, and um, where I said I said it's it's um, unacceptable for politicians to be agnostic uh, about currency. Um, it's not. I mean, it's okay for people who are not politicians, but I think there's a lot of learning to to be done there. So please um, follow that link that I'm going to put in at the end of the show. Um, and we've got another little comment there. Um, here's a comment again from Sean about um, Welsh Labour. So that's quite interesting. Um, a really good point um, from one of our regular viewers, um, Hashbury. Is that something that's spoken about a lot in Wales, this third way, this possibility of, of a federated state? I think that ship has sailed, to be honest. I think that was within the grasp of, uh, of the Labour Party between 2000 and 2010. They could have done it. But... Brexit has changed that whole debate now. Yeah, well, but we, we, we think that Gordon Brown's think tank is going to come up with a, another stab at um, federation. And as Karen said earlier, when we were speaking to Paul Mason, um, yeah, it might work for us, but there's no way England will accept it. So what is the point of even going down Absolutely. this route? You know, so, um, I think that's a really, really good point that, that Kieran said earlier. Um, okay, I'll bring in another couple of comments, but Kieran, if you've got a question for the guys now. Well, I was just going to say that's really interesting, that information that Mark Hooper put up when he's saying that over 50% of Labour voters would vote for independence in Wales. So it's a higher proportion of your Labour voters, and that's really interesting. I mean, I certainly get the impression watching Wales uh, politically uh, is that the Labour Party seemed to be much more progressive. And, you know, speaking to other independent supporters, um, you know, that there is a, a long history of very progressive politics in Wales, um, really progressive politics. 
So, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, um, so I, I was quite, I was quite keen to um, cover uh, infrastructure, and um, I was wondering what's what's Wales' position with. Let, let's start with transport. One of the weaknesses of Scottish independence is that we could have all of these goods, but the vast majority of them would still have to go through England to, to leave, or actually, I would imagine, would be heading off to Wales to leave. So we know that's a structural issue for us, our, our lack of um, uh, rail transport and ports. What's the situation in Wales? Is there a feeling that's a strength or a weakness? To be honest, uh, where do we start with the transport infrastructure here in Wales? Um, we, we have legacy issue with our transportation network, um, where rather than going north to south, we're going east to west. So if we look at the railroads, the main roads as well, you know, it's a reflection of things leaving Wales towards England. Um, so we do need to be looking at uh, our roads, our railways, infrastructure getting from north to south. It's, um, it is uh, a nightmare. Even before independence, we need to be looking at that. Where we are fortunate uh, in Wales, we do have um, two very good ports here, one in the north and in the south as well, that are quite active. Of course, they've taken a hit with Brexit, but the infrastructure is there for them to... Um, really help uh, uh, the economy. Don't even get me started on infrastructure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also uh, utilities uh, as well. You know, you know, just to, just to, you know, let's say, let's say, you know, a hundred days after, three hundred days after independence in Wales, where where are you with that? You 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 know, utilities and your telecoms and how much of a how much of an infrastructure is there? at the moment and or how much of a priority would that be for a, a new uh, independent state i think transport's an, transport's an important one um if i could go back to that for a moment i mean we, we've got broadband we've got water we've got electricity we've got we, there's, there's plenty of things that we can do in terms of some of the basic utilities and welsh water by the way let me state this out up, up front is a not-for-profit water company which is very very good and very interesting and enjoys great support throughout Wales for that. The same as in Scotland. In terms of transport, I can remember collaborating with a colleague of mine. Uh, we were asked to uh, write something for the Institute of Welsh Affairs on on transport in Wales, and um, I, I I wrote the stuff and she delivered it because I think I was in Singapore at the time, and I entitled it "The Dragon Has No Spine." The biggest problem is that Wales is North Wales and South Wales and Mid Wales, and they are not properly joined up at all. Um, it takes about four hours to get from Bangor or Carnarvon down to Cardiff by road. It's only 170 miles. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful drive. I mean, you go through some stunning scenery, but it will take you forever. And bits of it are really like a country lane. And of course, this time of year, when we have visitors, they think they're in a country lane and drive at 40 miles an hour. But that is the main route north-south. And it doesn't join up. And I can remember complaining bitterly. This is before devolution, even to um, if, to, uh, to a civil servant. I was ranting on about this lack of a decent road, and he said, "Well, there's there's no real, real demand for it." He said, um, "You know, <laughs> once you get north of the Brecon Beacons, I mean, sort of, what is there? I suppose it makes sense," he said in a very superior voice, "if you're interested in nation building." <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, 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 
had to be physically restrained. The, you can imagine, though, can't you? It, there are real difficulties. Not only that, it's not easy to get to Aberystwyth, for example. You get to Aberystwyth more easily from England than you, the Midlands than you can from North Wales or even from South Wales. There is something about doing something about the infrastructure. We've got typically the airport in Cardiff has a railway that runs around the perimeter where there is no terminal. The M4 goes past it, but doesn't come to Barry or down, you know, down, down, down to where the airport is. There's no motorway spur. It, you, again, you're in a simple two lane road for the last couple of miles. It gets worse and worse. There needs to I be. I put you on your pet topic, Brian. The issue about it is that Wales needs a proper, well thought out, integrated transport policy that sits with an independent country. Yeah. We, have got, we have got an airport marked on the map in North Wales. The only problem is it's owned by the RAF, and the only flights that go in and out of there is a daily flight from Cardiff with a 19-seater, which has to be propped up. All right. Okay, right. Brilliant. Brian, I said, we've got you on your pet subject there. <laughs> um, when, when we interviewed David McWilliams, uh, you know, who's an Irish economist, he said that a lot of this conversation about a new country and the economic foundation is almost kind of superfluous in the sense that when you become independent, there is this huge... This this huge kind of explosion of ingenuity and creativity and culture, and that's something that we don't discuss enough. You know, we are talking about you know GDP and infrastructure and all these things that are important. But I wonder, you know, as as two uh, people who are working with young um, university students all the time, what do you think would be, or would there be a kind of cultural renaissance? in an independent Wales. Um, Ed, do you want to go with that one first? Well, sorry, just picking up on the point there. The, um, not about transport. Know, no, no, not transport. Innovation that would come from uh, an independent country. And I think this is where Wales really has um, a hidden trick at its lead. If we think about what drives economic growth, it's that innovation, the entrepreneurs, those those people that want that look at the world and say, I want to make a difference, I want to change something, I want to take this idea from my mind and build something, create something new. There's no difference between that mindset and an artist, an artist is going to be, has this idea, this concept in their mind, and they want to put that stamp on the world, you know, make a difference there. The poets, the story writers, it's the same idea, it's the same process, isn't it, as an entrepreneur, as an innovator. And Wales is full of artists. You know, we've got a ridiculous source of uh, artists, poets, storytellers here in Wales. What we need to find out in, in an independent Wales is how do we change that creativity into, um, into commerce rather than writing poetry, rather than writing stories, writing new songs? How do we channel that creativity into creating new businesses, creating those startups? 
Uh, and this really could be Wales's um, uh, trick up its sleeve. Can I also just say, you know, going back to something you said earlier about the Welsh government being called the administration and now their government. I mean, Alex Salmon changed the title of the Scottish administration to government as well. But I feel that that can sometimes be a rod for your back because a lot of people don't understand that you're not a government in the full sense. You're not a currency issuer and uh, you, you can't, you know, deficit spend. You can't, you know, put put money out into the economy to make things happen. For example, roads, or in the case of Scotland, connecting our islands with tunnels. Um, so, you know, you could see how the, the, the spending on that kind of thing, you could obviously see how that would be a game changer. Would you say that the current administration could spend more on that, or are they just so currency constricted that everything that they're spending on is, is important and there's nothing that you can really take away from that to do the things that you'd like them to do. I think they can't be restricted, especially if we think back to the um, the Shared Prosperity Fund. Uh, I think Brian picked up on that uh, earlier. You know, we're seeing a reduction there, the, the amount that Wales receives, you know, by a significant amount as well. And so I think the current government is just... Uh, very restricted in what it can spend on. There's there's some legacy issues from COVID that are going to take years to be addressed, and I think that's where the government is focusing a lot of its um, financial firepower, or to what extent it has at the moment. Yeah, and Mark's just said there, um, you know, which we'll all agree with, absolutely, it doesn't have the capital to invest. It needs to get that externally, which is, um, you know, can open up a whole um, host of issues when you're relying on that external external currency. Um, Karen, have you got any other questions? Um, that's really it for me. I yeah, those are the things I wanted to ask. I was going to say that I agree with Ed totally about the fact that Wales has got that energy and it has got that creativity. Um, Cardiff's a really, really buzzy city now. It didn't used to be. It used to be pretty grim. Not anymore. Hmm. In the last 20-odd years, it's, 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 it's transformed itself. And there seems to be an energy among young people about going out and just doing it now, which, hmm. which didn't seem to be there before. And that, that's something which is just, just really valuable because they are they're the people who are going to do that. They're the people with the energy. And that is beginning to happen. And I I'm think pretty, it, it, it's great. It's a great thing to be obs observing that. So I think, you know, fundamentally, when we had, when devolution happened for Scotland and Wales, we suddenly had a big bit of um, infrastructure uh, thrust upon us. With all the jobs that came with that, you know, and as I frequently point out to people, you know, if you're going to set up a new country, you wouldn't put the capital at one end of it with all the infrastructure there. I mean, I don't, I, I seem to remember DVLA was set up in the 70s, was it? You know, this seemed to be another big bit of infrastructure that, that came to Wales. Um, you know, you, you need to have the, infrastructure. the Royal Mints in Wales as well. Right, yes. So, you know, and, and then, I, you know, I feel the same way about Edinburgh. I mean, I lived in Edinburgh before devolution, and it's massively changed since devolution. Just it's, the difference is huge, absolutely huge. Well, I've got a final question for you both. Um, it's a short 
short question, short answer. Um, who will get independence first, Wales or Scotland? Um, Brian, you go first. I think Scotland. I think I think you've got more. You're ahead of us. You're ahead of us on that. I think, and I don't think we're there to the degree that you are yet. You've already, by the way, you've already had one referendum on it. We haven't, we haven't got that far yet. And Ed, I just to be opposite to Brian, I'm going to say Wales because of this creative spark um, here. But it's going to be very close. I think when it happens. It will happen to a lot of us at the um, very same time. Yeah, and Karen, you've got the casting vote. Oh yeah, I'm going to be on the fence with this. Actually, I just don't know. Um, I, I do see so much spark in Wales, and speaking to independence activists there as well, there's a lot of fire in their belly. <laughs> there really is. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's. Head to head for me. Okay, well, if, if you're not going to make the decision, I'll give it over to um, Sean. So, and he said, well, I disagree with that. Um, I've certainly come across pretty uh, confident independence activists. And, I think um, at the end of that, I would say Wales doesn't have enough confidence yet. Yeah. Okay, and here's Mark's comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. That's yeah. absolutely true. Absolutely true. Mark, that's the answer we all wish we'd given. To, to be honest, just on that though, that's that's a big risk for Scotland and Wales. In that, you know, we could be building up towards independence, but it could very be thrust upon us without yeah. Um, yeah. without any of us being ready for it. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think you know the 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 British government, the UK, Westminster, however you want to describe it, have have gotten to a state now that I think. A lot of us just wouldn't imagine that it would be this bad. Um, and, you know, it's it really is in a bad state of affairs at the moment. And, you know, like like Sri Lanka, you know, you, you've got so much corruption there in Westminster. It's just dreadful. We definitely can see a house of cards, you know, and um, it is if, if there is Scottish independence, you can see the, the British state and also the British establishment um, crumbling. You know, I do think it's built on incredibly weak foundations and it's, you know, it's anachronistic. It's just not a state that really should exist in, in the form that's in it. It provides it provides for so few um, people in the in, in the four nations. Well, um, hopefully this show has helped our audience understand a little bit more about the similarities and differences and get into a bit more depth about the um, Welsh economy. Brian, Edward, thanks so much for, for joining us tonight. And hopefully, and you know, maybe nine months or, or a year's time, we would have a, a very different conversation. But thanks to you both for your time tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was very interesting. Um, please do let me know in the comments um, what you thought of the what you thought of the show tonight. A little bit different for um, our um, small nation series, but I do think it's really important to not just look at the countries that have independence, um, but also the ones who are considering it and who are looking for it. So, yeah, please do um, give us your thoughts on that. That would be great. Um, Karen, your little summary before we finish. Yeah, I'm really excited about the idea of, of Welsh uh, independence. I've spent quite a lot of time in Wales um, <laughs> and lived on the border of it as, as a child when I lived in Chester. So, you know, it's got so much going for it. It's such a beautiful country, really beautiful and, uh, and you know, a beautiful language. And 
their accents, just wonderful. So, yeah, I, I, I would love to see them thriving in the way that they should be, the way that we should be. Um, yeah. The way that any small nation should, which is just being able to make the decisions, um, the, the bad ones and the good ones, but being able to make those decisions. Yeah, it's certainly, you know, Wales is big enough, strong enough, rich enough and smart enough. Um, you know, to, to make, make a success of it. Well, um, I've just put up our Patreon link there. Um, please do consider uh, joining us. Um, we did a fantastic interview with Paul Mason today, and we have an extended interview only on our Patreon, and that's going to go live over the weekend. Um, we will be showing the episode to free to air on Wednesday, a slightly condensed version of it, but it was a wonderful conversation we had with um, Paul Mason, the author and broadcaster today. Um, really, really good conversation conversation about Wales. I learned a lot. I hope the audience did too. Thanks for all your really positive comments and your engagement. Um, until next week and that Paul Mason show. Thanks so much. Bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>